I'm Sahil Desai. I'm Kevin Tidmarsh. And this is Hidden Pomona. Hidden Pomona is a podcast about the forgotten, obscure, and overlooked parts of Pomona College's history. We'll be releasing episodes every other Friday until the end of April. Stick with us as we uncover the hidden history of our school. So for this episode of Hidden Pomona, we're about to tell you about an organization that in one sense, isn't hidden at all. If you're listening to this, you probably know a thing or two about them already. But even though this group hides in plain sight, there's very little that's actually known about them. I'm talking about Mufti, Pomona's secret society of punsters as campus commentators. When we got to Pomona in 2012, Mufti was an established presence on campus. They'd post slips of paper called burgers around campus with puns about the most salient campus issues of the day. Controversies surrounding the Office of Campus Life, Pomona's efforts at rebranding, and the new Coke freestyle machine at Frary with like a hundred different flavors of soda. My personal favorite was one that said, Politicoke machine, waiting for justice. But it read as just ice. It was a reference to the Workers for Justice movement to unionize the dining halls, which had been going on for years at that point, but it was also a reference to the fact that the fancy Coke machine was the only way to get ice for your water at that point, so tons of people would get in that line and wait for just ice. Mufti has stumped Pomona students and frustrated administrators for generations with their punny messages and infinity signs made of glue residue that persists long after the burgers themselves are gone. Since there's so little known about Mufti and how it operates, the secret society is loaded with rumors and folklore. While the name Mufti is most commonly associated with Islamic scholars or professors, Mufti at Pomona is probably an allusion to the lesser-known definition that means out of uniform or undressed. We were curious to see whether underclassmen knew about Mufti, so we went down to South Campus to ask first-years and sophomores what they knew. I held up a piece of paper that said Mufti, and Zaheel would ask what they knew about it. Could you pronounce that word for us? Mufti? Um, Mufti? Mufti. 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 Oh man. Mufti. 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 We'll go with Mufti. Final answer. Cool. (laughs) But we talked to a bunch of different groups of people, and very few of them actually knew what Mufti was, at least in the context of Pomona. Uh, Do you know what Mufti is? I do not. I do not. What about you? No. 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 Well, I, no, not in this context, but <laughs> actually in my old school, it was when we got to not wear a uniform. It was Mufti Day. But the mention of a secret society at Pomona did ring a bell with a few people. So Mufti is a secret society basically at Pomona. It's I heard of it before. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe Infinity Signs. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Vandals, the lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like vandalizers or I don't know? I, I only heard that like that's a group or society of like punsters or like yeah. We stood outside Frank Dining Hall for a while chatting with people, but we only ended up talking to one person who actually recognized the name. Yeah, that's like the secret organization. They have like they had like a shirt in Pomona for a minute for with like the little things, like the little box with like the couple words in it. 
Yeah, yeah cool. That's cool. awesome you've heard of him. Actually, very few. Yeah, you're very like the first few. person. Yeah, who really? Yeah. Really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Good job, Mahalo. So it looks like at this point, Mufti's presence on campus has greatly diminished. They actually did post two burgers around graduation last year, but that was the last thing I remember them doing in a long time. Anne Quinley, who was the Dean of Students from 1992 until 2007, said this isn't the first time that Mufti has been dormant. There were periods of activity and then periods of quiet and periods, but it declined over the time that I was here. And by the time I left, it, it was almost gone. So um, I hoped, I guess, that it might recover itself because I thought it was a, a clever and witty and important way of kind of saying anonymously what at least one group of students thought were the issues on campus. We went to special collections at the Handel Mudd Library and the Pomona College archives to check out what Mufti burgers we could find from over the years. Overall, we were able to get our hands on almost 70 of these punny messages, ranging from the 60s all the way to just a couple of years ago. The format of the burgers is pretty simple. It really hasn't changed much, if at all, over the last 50 years. The main message is in a large, bold font in the center, and there are alternate messages in the top left and bottom right of the sheet. Each line is filled with puns and wordplay about the campus happenings of the day. Former Pomona College president David Alexander once stated, that Mufti was most active in the late 1960s, just as he arrived in Claremont at 36 years old. Even though it was a time of political unrest here at Pomona and to campuses across America, Mufti pretty much stuck to the internal politics of the school. But they did comment on then-Governor Ronald Reagan's stance towards student protesters at the time. Okay, so the the one that I think was famous even outside Pomona College um, happened when Ronald Reagan was governor of California, and this was would have been in response to student, student unrest somewhere in the University of California system. That was Alma Zook, a physics professor and an alum from the class of 1972, who's been teaching here since 1982. While we could understand some of the burgers, many of them were basically undecipherable, with double or triple entendres related to campus events and various administrators and faculty members at the time. So we had Professor Zook help us decipher some of them for us. There are a couple of burgers that stand out. This is a famous one. 87 grads say Centennial has no class. Blast of a century leaves thousands homeless. Mufti levels destructive criticism. In 1987, Pomona slated Holmes Hall, which was almost a century old, for demolition. There was a lot of backlash from students and alums at the time. Here's another one from sometime during the 1974 to 1975 academic year. Fry Beta Mufti, Great Expectations, A's Over Easy, Summa Yolk, right? We asked Professor Zook, who graduated just a couple of years before that burger came out, to see if she could help us decode it. I guess this was the, the first of many, maybe not the first, but um, I know that the college was starting to get worried about great inflation, um, you know, right around the year I graduated, um, and so this is a reference to great inflation. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think a, a, my memory is that a lot of these are, somebody comes up with a clever play on words and just kind of runs with it. <laughs> it doesn't always make sense. Mufti is a shadowy organization, so it can be hard to track down information about it. 
but we were able to get in touch with Brian Johnston, class of 1970 and a Mufti alum, to learn more about how exactly the group worked. We actually found him because he had Mufti listed on his LinkedIn profile, and he was happy to talk about it. As far as we can tell, you're about to hear the first recorded interview with a Muftier, past or present. So I graduated in 1970, so this is ancient history you're going to hear about. Um, I don't know, you know, what, how, how long Mufti, Mufti endured after that. Um, but uh, I was there when they were uh, manifesting, you know, their usual posters around campus popping up mysteriously. And then uh, one day, I think when I was a sophomore, maybe, um, I had a knock on my door one evening, my room dorm door, and uh, some guys I knew um, basically said, uh, you know, we're here to induct you into Mufti. At that point, I didn't know anybody that was in it. It was, you know, totally secret. So um, that was how I got connected to it. I don't remember the uh, leadership structure, if there was any, but uh, there would be a decision when there was some something in the news or in the campus news that um, it was deemed necessary to uh, have some pithy comment about. And um, we would decide on a, uh, a poster text. Then we would, uh, you know, it would be decided uh, when when to put them up. And um, they used a print shop. You know, this is before the days of, uh, you know, when uh, the the printed copies were there, we would uh, be issued a. I think we used, you know, uh, roller pens for painting with a roller, and. Um, the administration was was always um, complaining that we used some kind of glue that they couldn't get off because, of course, they wanted to wash them off right afterwards. And, uh, in fact, the mysterious glue was simply flour and water. So we'd have a, a tray with flour and water, and, and when the flour dried, of course, it was like glue, but it was, I think, pretty easy to remove if you just wetted it. But it didn't occur to them to do that. That wasn't the only Mufti member we talked to. Earlier this week, I received an anonymous email as I was trying to find former Mufti members online. There was no subject line, and the email seemed to be sent from an unnamed email address associated with a Verizon cell phone. It included pictures of eight burgers, with an attached document simply reading, 1974-1975. We were able to interview the person who sent these pictures. He ended up being a former Mufti member from the class of 1975, who wished to remain anonymous. Um, we would just get together from time to time if there was something going on on campus that seemed interesting, and we would just kind of swing off of that. I can tell you we weren't really afraid of the administration catching us. We uh, we did go off campus to a print shop because I, I told you we had a whole set of movable movable type, probably weighed about 20 pounds. Um, we always went to a print shop reasonably far away, but we always went to the same place. 
nice guy. Rumors abound about Mufti, and a lot of them are conflicting, but there's a few things that people across a generation seem to agree on. One is that the only surefire way to join Mufti is to catch them in the middle of the night as they're papering the campus. The Mufti Manifesto ends with, quote, Catch us if you can. That's actually how our anonymous source ended up joining Mufti. He also told us that Mufti had a faculty advisor while he was there. I can only speak to the time I was there. It was a uh, you know, relatively small group, depending on who graduated and who was fortunate enough to, or diligent enough to find their way in. There was always a, uh, a faculty advisor. Joshua Tremblay, the editor of TSL in fall 2003, actually did a ride-along with two Mufti members for a night, and they told him that most of the 20-odd members at the time had either been approached by an active member or caught them in the act. But good luck trying to catch them. A TSL columnist in 1981 wrote that, quote, Mufti is to Pomona College what Bigfoot is to Northern California. Nobody's really sure who or what it is, but the telltale evidence for its existence is everywhere. Connor O'Rourke, who graduated in 2003 and is now the Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions here, is one of the few people who can give some insight into how Mufti recruits students. He went through the majority of the induction process, but he couldn't attend the final challenge. My, my senior year, things had relatively um, calmed down, I guess, with Mufti, and, and they, they seemed to be somewhat inactive. But that spring semester of senior year, and this would have been 2003, there was an email that was sent out through what we called the digester back then. Um, I guess nowadays it would be chirps. Um, so it was very easy for a message to get lost. And, um, but we had been looking closely, I guess, for whatever reason, and came across an unusual message in the digester that on first glance seemed a little incoherent. I mean, it was complete sentences and actual words but didn't mean anything either. If you were really reading into it, you might have been able to interpret that it was somehow in reference to a return of some kind. There was something that was trying to make a, a return to campus. So it was cryptic enough that our spidey senses told us it might be Mufti related. And the the idea of a, of a return certainly fit with where Mufti was at the time, which was that they were relatively dormant that particular year. So we, we tangled with this message for a while. Eventually, you know, one of us was a, a computer science major and started kind of taking a more technical approach to deciphering this and used some type of uh, number to letter language. I forgot what it was called. But what happened is that we found that these numbers corresponded to essentially a, a Dewey Decimal Code. And the book that came up with those numbers was called The History of Secret Societies, uh, or something, something thereabouts. And that was a light bulb going on. Wow, this has got to be, this has got to be it. And so we went to the library, went to Honold Mudd, and we looked up that book. It was there. Uh, didn't, you know, it was somewhere deep in the stacks. Didn't seem like it had been checked out for a very long time. It was an old book, I mean, from the, maybe the 1920s or 1930s. So we checked out the book, and we, 
again, we, we played with it a little bit. We tried to, to, one of us actually read the whole entire thing. And um, again, we're looking for answers. It was kind of hard. And then one of us had the idea of kind of cracking open the book, literally crack, cracking open the book. And, you know, took a pen knife and um, made a very small incision on the, on the back cover. And lo and behold, hidden beneath that was a small note that basically said, congratulations, you've come this far. If you want to go further, you know, contact us. And, and there was an email address. It was some AOL address or something like that. And it took a day or two to hear back from them. But eventually we did. And their message back was written in a cryptic way. Uh, but it was another challenge. You know, once we interpreted what the message meant, it was another challenge to us. And the challenge was it essentially wanted us to try to bring back the Mufti t-shirt to the Coop store. You know, it was a very large challenge. And so we thought long and hard as to how we were going to do that. Um, I don't know how it came about, but eventually we decided to, to take the scarecrow from the farm up at Pitzer. And we put a suit on this scarecrow, which fit him actually quite well, and took him down to the Smith Campus Center and propped him up against the, the door to the Coop store and then pinned to him a document that we called Peter Stanley's Last Will and Testament. And Peter Stanley was, of course, President Oxtabee's predecessor, and this was his final year as president of Pomona College. And so this last will and testament was written as a will uh, in which he was requesting um, the Coop store to bring back the Mufti t-shirt. I happened to be writing for TSL at the time and was in charge of something called the, um, the security briefs. And I don't think this is a section they have anymore, but essentially it's police blotter from Camp Sec. And, uh, I worked that into the police blotter for the week. And whether it was through the police blotter and, and, and showing up in TSL or if they just knew about it, they, they did know about it and they contacted us and kind of said, well, congratulations, you know, you, you did, you've gotten this far. And if you want to keep going, you know, you need to meet us out on the quad at, you know, midnight or something of, of this particular night that was, that was down the road. Now, unfortunately for me, when we got this response from Mufti inviting us to learn more and meet them on the quad with a blindfold on, they wanted us to blindfold ourselves, I was already down in San Diego for senior week. And I actually got the call about this email through one of my friends who was a junior and obviously not, not in San Diego for senior week. And it was at that time that I thought, darn, this is happening a, a little too late for me. Um, this is kind of the dream that I had since my first year in seeing Lefty high above the rafters there in, in the prairie. But now I'm days away from leaving this place, and maybe this is not my time anymore. So I remember, you know, even taking that call, I remember exactly where I was standing, talking to my friend who was telling me, can you come back? Can you come back to Claremont? Like, they want to meet us tonight. And saying no, and saying this is your thing now. I want you to go, but for me, it's too late.
No one can say for sure when Mufti started, but it's told that it was started in the 1940s by a group of disenchanted women students. That's the story that was passed along to former Pomona president David Alexander. But that's not the only Mufti origin story. For example, the rumor in the mid-1970s, when our anonymous source was in Mufti, was that it had originated in the science department. One rumor that's been around for a long time is the alleged connection between Mufti and the student life. There actually might be some evidence to back that up. In 1982, for example, the newspaper published the Mufti Manifesto, and they also printed a burger in that same issue. There's also been talk of past editors-in-chief being tied to Mufti somehow. But that being said, I was editor last semester and no one invited me to join. Scout's honor on that. My theory is that both Mufti and TSL tend to attract the same kinds of students. People with a penchant for words who know a thing or two about the inner workings of the administration. Even if Mufti started as a women-only group, it had become an all-men group by the late 1960s, when Brian Johnston was a member. Alma Zook said that she had heard rumors of the group being started by women, but that she doesn't think that women could have pulled it off in the late 60s, when there was a strict curfew for women. But if I think about the people I suspected of being in Mufti when I was a student here, they were all men. And so I, now come to think that I... There were rumors of two parallel Muftis, and one of them might have been this women's Mufti, and the other one might have been a men's Mufti. <laughs> um, started in response, if, if the original Mufti story is true. By the time that the anonymous Mufti member joined, in 1974, there were both men and women among Mufti's ranks. But he also confirmed that there was an alternate group of women students who used Mufti's format. Um, if you ever see an exemplar of them, you will see a clear difference between the originals and the competitors. The, uh, the originals had their own typeface. Yeah, we actually had a box with the movable type. So all of the original group Mufti's will have exactly the same typeface. The women's alternate group, um, I don't know how they managed to print what they printed, but it was not the same typeface, and you could always tell they were fake. One time, they even caught the alternate Mufti in the act. We caught him once. Some of them, uh, my recollection is that one or two of them actually admitted it, and some of them just absolutely flatly lied about it, denied they had anything to do with it, but we had caught him, so... It's just kind of a friendly rivalry type of thing. This was far from the only time that Mufti was imitated. A 1966 letter to the editor from Mufti, published in The Student Life, referenced the work of a group of students they called the Anti-Mufti. In 1989, another set of students also became known as the Anti-Mufti for their imitations of Mufti's stickers. Some of the mock-ups were actually quite good in their wordplay, but they use different typefaces, and they didn't always copy the format too well, so you can tell pretty easily what's what. In the early 1990s, an analysis of two years' worth of burgers by the student life came to the conclusion that up to four different groups could have been involved in producing the stickers that were normally affiliated with Mufti. There's been tension between Mufti and the college administration, basically since the secret society was founded. 
When posting their burgers around campus, Mufti attached glue to the back of the paper, usually in the shape of an infinity sign. Even after the burgers were removed by maintenance, the glue residue in the shape of the infinity sign remained, and you can still see them all over campus if you're looking in the right place. One of the most notable examples of this residue is on the top step of Carnegie, where the residue actually spells out Mufti. College administrators have tried all sorts of tactics to try and get Mufti to change to a different type of glue that wouldn't leave behind the damaging residue on buildings. In 1966, Dean William Wheaton offered to post the messages himself. A few days later, a stack of Mufti flyers appeared in his locked office, and he kept his word to put them up himself. But by the next week, Mufti was back to posting their flyers on campus with the same glue. It was, it was uh, made ex- um, entirely from materials available in the dining hall, and uh, typically, typically appropriately aged before mixing. At one point, the college proposed an increase in student activity fees to pay for the removal of the glue residue from campus buildings, since it took maintenance staff around 20 minutes to remove the glue residue from just one sticker. This measure was never passed, but it shows how seriously the administration took the issue. Dean Quinley said that she talked to some Mufti members, anonymously, of course, when they were trying to work out the issues between Mufti and the maintenance staff. We conducted the whole discussion of um, um, whether or not um, they could use different glue over email. I never sat down with the student and said, look, this is, we love you, but this is the problem. Um, it all went over this email. Mm-hmm. And what were those communications like? Was it like, were they like, were they using a particular tone, or was it just like a normal email? Um, I think they were sometimes kind of clever in their responses. <clears throat> but, you know, when you're negotiating with somebody over whom you have no power, you have to be nice. And so they were, you know, I was just saying, you know, basically, you're an important part of the campus and we like you. But, you know, you can't, you shouldn't, we don't want Um, scars on Alexander or Carnegie or, you know, any of these fabulous buildings that have these great stones in them that we can just never get off. And and I think I probably pointed out that it wasn't fair to housekeeping or grounds to have to try to deal with all this. Um, And then they gave me witty responses. But I think in the end, we did agree that, I think it was Neil, would find some kind of more rubberized glue that they could use, and he would leave it somewhere. She also gave some insight into what it was like to be named in a burger. Was that like something that frustrated you or annoyed you in any way? Or no. were you fine with it? Flat, flattered me. <laughs> I'm an attention hog. <clears throat> so I, I really, um, I liked what they did. And it, I wasn't, you know, maybe three or four times I was the focus of it. While Mufti seems to be dormant, or even defunct for the time being, that's certainly not the first time that's happened in history. Since the 1980s, articles in the student life have lamented the demise of Mufti, only to then see it come back to life. In 1989, senior Dave Morehouse wrote in TSL, quote, Has Mufti then decided to lay low for a while because of an unwelcome and hostile focus on the activities by frats? Or is the campus itself dead, such that there's nothing going on here worthy of Mufti's incisive mockery? Hard to believe, we're about as uptight as ever, Or, the gods forbid, is Mufti dead? In the 90s, someone, maybe someone from Mufti, spray-painted Mufti doesn't exist 
onto Walker Wall. It remained there for several years. But by the time that Connor O'Rourke had come to campus in 1999, they were definitely a presence, even if they weren't as active as they always had been. I remember the first time I came across Mufti was in my first year at Pomona and going to Frary every day because I lived on North Campus. And up in those windows above Frary, those really high windows, they, um, I remember the very first day of school, it, it had Mufti written across those windows. Each of those windows had a letter in it, M-U-F-T-I, encompassing five windows and thinking, what, what the heck is Mufti? And how'd they get up there to put those letters? Uh, I don't know if it was paint or, or some type of cardboard, but they were up there for almost the whole semester. It must have been tough to get them down. So I spent every breakfast looking up at those, those letters, Mufti, and that's where the fascination really began. Um, over the next few years during my time at Pomona, though, Mufti was relatively active, I think, in terms of putting burgers around um, and having the, the kind of triple entendre. Each time people claimed Mufti was dying, it seemed to come back in full force. An investigation into Mufti published in the Pomona College magazine in 2002, questioning whether it was dying, even elicited a burger in response. The Muftiers wrote, quote, Where are the Elmers of yesteryear? Poco Mag goes on fishing exposition. Mufti rumors greatly exaggerated. And it's clear from Josh Tremblay's article that in 2003, Mufti was still alive and well, even if their efforts weren't visible on campus. As part of the ride-along, the Mufti members took him to Walmart, where they bought several bottles of white shoe polish. Neither of them told Tremblay what it was for, but he found out the next day when he discovered that Mufti Lives had been ridden on his car in white shoe polish. Mufti has a valued place on campus for students, professors, and administrators alike a source of anti-establishment wit. Dave Morehouse wrote in his 1989 piece about Mufti that, quote, it reminds us of our silly foibles in all of our anally retentive BS. It is a corrective mechanism for community psychology, subverting and subtly tearing down our bloated sense of self-worth. One way or another, whether they're dormant or active, Pomona really wouldn't be the same without Mufti. Here's Connor O'Rourke again. If you get the right personnel in it who are passionate about it, it will come back. And people will get excited about it. But there'll be some years where the torch wasn't passed or wasn't passed effectively, and it will go dormant for a while until it's resuscitated again. But it always can. I think, I think that whether it's the Cheese Club or Mufti, there's always, there's always the potential that it can come back because it's part of this place. It's part of the culture, it's part of the history, and people care about this place. You know, if you could somehow aggregate um, all of the Mufti production over the years, I think you would have a pretty good student's eye view of the college and college life and issues that were significant. I mean, I really do, plus a good sense of fun. 
but I don't, I don't, I don't know that you'd ever be able to create something like that. This episode was written, reported, and produced by me, Sahil Desai, and Kevin Tidmarsh. Kevin produced the music. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Medium at Hidden Pomona. You can find all the Mufties we've collected on our page at medium.com. Hidden Pomona is recorded in the studios of KSPC. Special thanks to Ann Quinley, Connor O'Rourke, Brian Johnston, Alma Zook, and our anonymous source in the class of 1975 for talking to us. More special thanks to the students who took the time to answer our questions outside Frank Dining Hall. We'd also like to thank Vicki Paterno from the class of 1975 for her assistance with finding Mufti members. And thanks as always to Susan McWilliams for the editorial guidance. If you know anything more about Mufti, or if you want to give us some feedback about this episode, or just want to say hi, email us at hiddenpomona at gmail.com. I'm Kevin Tidmarsh. I'm Sahil Desai. And this is Hidden Pomona. <laughs> <laughs>